The sound of noted American slacker Steve Malcolmus and his jicks means it's time for another Fantasy Friday edition of Fangraphs Audio. Well, I'm Carson Sestouli. This is Fangraphs Audio. And my guest on this edition of the podcast is Rotographs editor Eno Saris. Eno joins us from the American desert, where he's participating in the Sabre Analytics Conference, currently going on in Phoenix, but finds room in some manner of utility closet to discuss fantasy baseball for approximately one half hour. In what follows, Eno and I discuss that Sabre Analytics Conference, both what Eno has learned from it generally, and more specifically how what he has learned might actually end up helping him in fantasy baseball. I ask Eno about his 10 bold predictions post from the very end of February, and confront Eno, perhaps a little menacingly, with regard to his boldest of predictions. We consider briefly the consensus rankings, the position-by-position consensus rankings that have been going up this past week at Rotographs. And finally, Eno and I talk a little about game theory, specifically about game theory in drafts and auctions, and even more specifically, how to and how not to get your opponents totally drunk during an auction. It's Eno Saris on Fantasy Friday, it's Fangraphs Audio, and it begins right now. Um, what, uh, so what's the, what's the deal now? Where are you, physically speaking? I am hiding in a little room in a hotel in Arizona, and there are a bunch of scary nerds outside. Right. And there's one, it sounds like there's one scary nerd in, inside. In here. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, scary nerd. But, uh. Here, here in Arizona at Saber, uh, Saber Analytics, and uh, just walked out of a, uh, a session led by J.C. Bradbury about pitcher injuries. Um, after hearing Vince Gennaro speak about uh, the timing of free agency signings and uh, a lot of uh, baseball nerdery, it's pretty great. Now, um, let's see. I, I, you were, you were, or you were not at Saber last year. Um, in Long Beach. I was at the Saber Long Beach, yeah. Right, okay. That was, uh, that was sort of like a satellite Saber thing. Right. That's sort of when I decided to sign up and become a part of the team. Okay. Now, um, so, so this is not necessarily your first Saber-related event. However, this is the first Saber Analytics conference that uh, ever, I guess. Ever. Yeah. Yeah, I think... Uh, I don't know. I can't speak for exactly what the reasoning was, but I do know that when we went to Sloan um, Analytics Conference at MIT last year, we kind of looked around the room and said, well, "Where's the baseball?" You know, there was. It's it's okay. It's led by Daryl Moore, the, the the Rockets GM, and so there's going to be a basketball slant. And Bill Simmons is a big basketball guy, so you know it made sense. But I think that on some level, the thinking was, "Well, you know, why can't we have something that's sort of." All baseball, all baseball research, and uh, and really just baseball centric. So I think that's some of the reasoning, at least, behind uh, the event. Now you mentioned those two panels. Uh, I'm curious, have you seen? Um, now, did it, sorry, well, I should I should ask this first. Did it start today, or was it or was it? Uh, and, and by today, I should say uh, we're recording this on Thursday. Did it start today, Thursday, or uh, or Wednesday? I forget. 
Yeah, it started today. Um, before the research panels, we had um, Dave. Dave was on stage for a sort of future of baseball uh, data panel with Corey Schwartz from um, MLB.com and Sean Foreman from Baseball Reference was uh, was leading them, and, and uh, John Doohan from Baseball Info, Info, Info Solutions was on, on stage too. No, wait, I. Uh... Maybe talking with with Cameron, or perhaps um, he relayed this in our internal message board. Um, if, I, if I'm not mistaken, Sean Foreman was going to um, uh, needle him a bit with regard to uh, his six or six or prediction from a couple years ago. Well, actually, you know, Cameron opened with the six or joke, but. Uh, of course, the first question uh, was all about defense, and uh, it really it, it really became about half of it was on defensive metrics. So um, I don't know if it ended up being about the sixth org thing, but there might have been some needling going on. Now, with with regard to this uh, conference, and of course it's not over; it's it's just started. Um, I guess. Um, what do you think you'll learn, and then additionally uh, from that, what do you think you'll learn that might help you um, in your fantasy baseballing pursuits? Um, well, uh, I don't know. I'm sort of open-minded about the research, and I just uh, I think that there's a, it's a great it's a great time to get a sense of where research is headed and what kind of opportunities there are. Um, you know, to sort of find new things out. Um, I you know. You know, J.C. Bradbury's piece that he just did was about um, sort of how pitch counts affect future performance. So it was interesting to see that, um, you know, it's a, it's a small impact, um, but that, you know, it, it, he seemed to suggest uh, um, that the idea is that, you know, one game of 120, 130 pitches or whatever has just a, a small impact um on the future, but if you were to say push your starter to six consecutive games of 120 pitches or more, that you might start to see um, a bigger impact. So he basically found that cumulative pitch counts have a little more effect. Um, so I think that's a really interesting thing. It might be great to see it verified or whatever, but it, you know it's a great um, sort of you know thing that fantasy people can use. You know, you see you see a guy just regularly. You know, maybe one team has a different philosophy on innings and. You start to see a guy regularly have high pitch counts. You might, you know, downgrade him on your uh, draft sheet. So I just want to kind of know the best research that's out there. And uh, and then I'm on the panel tomorrow where we're going to talk about the future of fantasy and how that relates to the game. So I might have something to report back on that. So do you, that's what I'm hoping to do. you know? Uh, do Do you think that maybe your only comment will will just be uh, I Eno Saris am? The future, the future of fantasy baseball, and then you just drop the mic and leave. What do you think about? <laughs> you like that idea? Boom, roasted. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I, I do expect to, uh, you know, say a little something about uh, Fangraphs, uh, you know, future offerings on the site tomorrow. So that'll be fun. Are we? That's uh, very, that's um, very cheeky of you. A very cheeky reference to you. Are we allowed to talk about that, Eno? <laughs> I don't know, but uh, I don't know exactly how we're going to do this. But uh, this is very, very that... secretive, very, 
secretive portion of the podcast right now is what's happening. There's an item. There, what you're suggesting is that you are going to be discussing a a fantasy sort of project. Um, that Fangraphs yeah. is in, in, um, in which Fangraphs is participating, but let's not name it. Let's. Well, I think I think that we can let the details come out as I do, but I do know that I've been okay to sort of reference it tomorrow. So, you know, today is tomorrow, right? Or tomorrow? Oh, that's true. Yeah, yeah that's right. We're in some sort of weird time vector thing right now. But, so you're allowed to talk you know, about it tomorrow. I, I think yeah. To, which is I'm today? I'm to talk about it tomorrow, and this is tomorrow, so I'm talking about it. But I just say I'll just say this. Check check out the site. You'll see uh, a great new game from um, from Fangraphs. That I think has some features that are will blow people's minds and are just going to be, you know, really awesome. So, uh, you know, I think that uh, we can leave it at that. Do, do you have a sense of when um, said venture is going live? We're close. I mean, I don't think, uh, I, I, I don't, you know, I don't, we, we never like to make promises because we're, we're lazy and late and, you know, how things go, but uh, it's coming soon. Okay. Those are all facts. Those are all facts, are facts. Obscured, obscured by secrecy um, and sloth, <laughs> at some level sloth, too. And sloth. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if you've ever tried to, this is um, this is not about fantasy baseball, but I don't know if you've ever tried to correspond um, with David Appleman. Have you ever attempted to correspond <laughs> with David Appleman? It's a one-sided... I've tried everything, man. I've tried everything. I mean, I've been, now I'm just, I've resorted to making fun of him. Open yeah, about. yeah. Yelling. I don't think he cares. I think yeah. he cares zero percent when you do that. Is it sure? Yeah, make <laughs> fun of me. yeah, yeah. I sign your he checks. That's what he says. I sign your checks. Deal right. with it. <laughs> Deal with it. No, it's very difficult. I know that if I really need to communicate a message to Appleman, I will send him an email. I will make a note uh, on said uh, the, the aforementioned uh, internal message board, and I will also send him a text message. For yes. complete for coverage, yes. you have to try all of them. I will for coverage, and then frequently it's still not going through. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, frequently it's still yeah, not going through. Yeah, that's how he manages to avoid all of that. Well, maybe uh, I think ignore is the word you're looking for, and I think it's easy for him. <laughs> yeah, because I think he doesn't care sometimes. He's like, whatever. I'm David Affleman. I'm the yeah. future of baseball analysis is what he says. Um, all right, so we discussed briefly that Sabre Analytics Conference, and that's where you are. You've been in Arizona for a while now. This is sort of a precursor to um, – uh, this is sort of your your last stretch of uh, of single well, – maybe not single, but of uh, childless freedom, I guess, before you uh, head home. So, yeah, man, baby do April 11th. I, I think he's coming like opening day. So There you are. Okay. So, uh, now I want to get to a couple things. Uh, now this this actually um, you published this a couple weeks ago, but it's still germane to the present conversation, which is um, well not just you in fact, but a number of members of Rotographs published bold predictions, uh, very bold predictions, and uh, you um, you published yours right at the end of February, it looks like. Um, and I, I mean I don't know if you think that some of these are bolder than others, but. Um, or if any of them are particularly titillating for you, I suppose. Uh, um, I mean, what one that might be uh, bold is, is the first one, which is that you you predict uh, that no one in Major League Baseball will hit uh, 40 home runs this year. Yeah, I mean, if you if you ask Appleman and if you ask 
you know, a lot of the baseball researchers, I mean, we, we all know that the, uh, that, uh, the run environment is going down. Um, and part of that has been an increase in ground balls and, uh, a decrease in home runs. So we've, uh, we've now been under a home run, uh, per game for two years and, um, closer to, uh, one home run per game than we have been in the past for the last five years. Um, pretty, pretty downward trajectory that you can kind of see pretty easily. I, that doesn't mean, you know, there's always year to year spikes. And um, it's not the most stable statistic ever, but um, something's going on. You know, I've seen Tango tried to tease out if it might be um, on the book blog. He tried to tease out if it might be more called strikes, um, but we're not sure if that's it. Um, so I don't know exactly. And then there's, of course, the elephant in the room. You know, is it sort of a PED thing? Is it a, you know, is it a you know, needle in the butt thing or, you know, who knows? But it looks like home runs are down. Only, uh, what was it, three guys did it last year. So I'm not, it, it's kind of weird to look at that as bold. It's like I'm saying those three guys might hit fewer home runs next year. Yeah, I suppose it, um, maybe it takes the mind a little longer to adjust, um, you know, to, to the new league, uh, in the new run environment, um, than, than one might think. Um, uh, because, uh, certainly if, if you were to ask me, um, you know, to say to, to take a guess at how many players um, crossed the 40 home run threshold last year, I probably would have guessed more than three. Um, yeah. But of course, that's as someone who watched a lot of baseball uh, in the middle, uh, the middle aughts, and saw a lot of home runs. Um, you know, during yeah. during that period, and um, yeah, so I guess it's uh, it's a question of adjusting oneself to the, to the new run environment, and of course, it's it has declined. What each of the last two or three years, something around that. Yeah, and what if I told you in 2001 or in the late 90s that 10 years from now, uh, three guy only three guys will hit more than 40, and uh, no one will even approach 50. I would have smacked you, Nino. <laughs> yeah, but it, that's my th- my threshold for wanting to smack you is pretty low at this point, so. Yeah, I noticed that. Yeah, that's all right. Yeah. Uh, let, let's do. That's let, what happens on the weekend. Yeah, yeah. Let's we'll get to that momentarily. Let's let's do this. <laughs> uh, let's look at two more of your predictions, uh, particularly titillating ones, I guess. Um, what do we have here? Well, one that I I would I would be remiss not to to mention because my name um, is part of it is the um, uh, relates to the role of Brandon Beachy. Um, but not necessarily Beachy, but you're, you're looking at this year's uh, Brandon Beachy, I guess, and you, and, you, and you guess Juan Nicasio. Yeah, yeah, and you know, speaking of Juan Nicasio, nothing that I've seen here in spring training has uh, changed how I feel about that. Um, he's still got the great velocity. Um, he's got great, he's got great secondary pitches. I don't really know. I don't really know why people, you know disparage him. I guess maybe um, this, the, the velocity is a little bit more of a recent thing. Uh, that's why he showed up on your next Michael Pineda list, I, I guess. So, uh, But at this velocity, which seems to be holding, he looks great. Um, and uh, he's, uh, he's alive and he's, he's, he's pitching well. So that, I think it's, it's not only is it, it's a happy story. And uh, I think that it will continue to be happy. Yeah, you know, that's, that's funny too. Um, not, not, you know, he didn't necessarily produce the same sort of walk numbers uh, as Nicasio or um, 
or, or Michael Pineda in the minors. But Ruby De La Rosa is another interesting character. I mean, he has an uh, excellent velocity on his fastball. I think, I think probably of any pitcher with at least 40 or 50 innings as a starter last year, I think I'm I'm uh, I'm almost certain, uh, and perhaps I'm omitting Steven Strasburg in this, although he might have pitched fewer. Uh, but I'm almost certain that Ruby De La Rosa had the highest average fastball velocity, and uh, he's due back, I think, maybe sometime around June, July. Um, is that is that true? And, and what do you think the sort of prospects are for Ruby De La Rosa when he returns? Yeah, I don't know. I, I thought that the um, surgery came sort of late last year, like August, September. So I'm not really penciling him for a lot. Um, of time this year, but he's a great guy to pick up, you know, like a dollar Autonier if, if he's not owned in your Autonier league yet or uh, in a keeper league where you might have a DL slot. I mean, I would love to have him just hang around the back end of my, my team because it's not only is it a, a very fast fastball, but it's uh, got a lot of movement. My understanding uh, is that's not the only thing you'd like having around your back end. What? That's ridiculous. Why would I say something like that? Uh, yeah, no, but, uh, it, it, Ruby, Ruby, uh, I, I just, I'm confused by the second B, and you guys know that I mispronounce every name out there. You do. So. In fact, uh, the, the best, um, the best policy is to just assume that it's the opposite of the pronunciation that you're proffering. Uh, let's look at this, uh, last one. Finally, you have some sort of, uh, this is your tenth bold prediction. Something having to do with Vinny Pistano, Addison Reed, Matt Thornton, Chris Perez. That, that uh, what quad umbrate, I guess. What, what what are you trying to say about those guys? Uh, I'm just saying that I think that Vinny Pestano is. I mean, this is this is where I, it's weird because this one doesn't seem that bold. I'm saying Vinny Pestano will be will, it'll will lead a smaller group of new closers this year. That there that there will be fewer new closers. Last year was one of the highest numbers of new closers um, that we've had in a long time. I think a lot of young guys came up and took roles and. Uh, but I think that, you know, I actually see less movement coming up in the year ahead, and I like Vinny Pistano as one of the best options of the new guys that could take the role. Um, and it's kind of weird because it doesn't it doesn't seem bold. I think all of these, I was like, is it bold enough? I don't know. Uh, but you know, everyone everyone would say, well, you know, Kenley Jansen has got you know an easy opening, but that could be. They could be doing dueling all year, and Addison Reed in Chicago. But Matt Thornton could take the job all year. And you know, do the White Sox really have a need to inflate the salary for their young Addison Reed when they might not be contenders? And you know, Matt Thornton can do the deal and then get shipped out of town. Yeah. So it, there's something. Right. It, yeah. Well, there's also, um, um, and I, this might have happened in the meantime, but I, I believe Chris Perez is dealing with some manner of injury that may have him out for Opening Day. Although he says he'll return. Yeah, that actually happened uh, like two days after the bold pick, so I, I felt you know Nostradamus like. But um, I, you know, I just if you look at Chris Perez, he is just the opposite of a dips pitcher. Last year, he was among the top thirty in saves. He was between twenty fifth and thirtieth in strikeout rate, walk rate, and ground ball rate. So I just think that, and I think that the Indians are are a saver aware team. That they're all over that. They know what's going on. So if anybody offers them anything for Chris Perez or, you know, if they just decide, okay, you know, this isn't working so well, Pastano's the guy with the, you know, I almost said Mariano likes. But he has that one great pitch, that fastball with a lot of movement. It's a great pitch. So Right, um, and, and that's the sort of pitch that we like to see um, a pitcher have as a go-to. 
um, offering uh, rather than uh, like a slider, for example, which you know Sergio Romo or a pitcher of that ilk will offer. Maybe because of injury. Um, I mean, we, we're we're finding more and more about I think sliders and curves. You know, one of the things that limits us in knowing exactly how these pitches uh, affect injury is that we only have sample size back to 2002 um, when we started when a pitch effects or fangraphs era really started. So. Um, you know, we can't, it's hard to just put curveball pitchers in a bucket and there's only like 20 of them. But, it, you know, the research suggests that uh, if you throw the slider a ton and the curveball a ton, uh, you're more susceptible to injury. Yeah, that sounds, uh, and it sounds reasonable, I guess. So that's, uh, from, uh, that's somewhat. Yeah, from the way you just like watch, you know, throw, throw one of those pitches or watch the pitch thrown, it looks like it hurts a little bit. Right. Now, here's something I'm curious about. Um, uh, recently at Rotographs, um, you've been releasing consensus rankings uh, by position. Of course, we did the positional power rankings for the 30 major league teams, well, you know, for each position for the 30 major league teams uh, at the site last week, and um, it, it appears as though um, with more of a, f- a fantasy, a view towards uh, fantasy baseball, you've gone position by position and looked at, um, um, you know, what – the, the power rank is, you know, by those positions. Uh, and I'm curious, um, I, I'm curious, I guess, uh, to some degree about the process, but uh, more about the product and specifically if any of the results have surprised you. Um, yeah, I think that uh, one, of the thing that, one thing that's really affected our different rankings has been uh, playing time uh, because we all – we all did our own projections, and then we all ran them through um, Dax. I'm not sure that we all used Dax calculator. But we all ran them through sort of a, an auction calculator to, to produce our list. Um, and uh, you know, Matt Moore shows up at very many different spots in um, in our rankings because you know some of us are projecting him for 180 innings, uh, and some of us are projecting him for 120 or whatever. Um, and it really just, you have to do a lot of, you know, guesstimation about how long he's, is he going to break camp with a major league team? Um, is he going to have an innings limit? I'm guessing that Wade Davis is not so exciting. Matt Moore is very exciting. I think he's going to break camp with the major league team and he has, he pitched 180 plus innings last year. So I don't really see an innings limit or, um, really that much. Uh, risk with him. Do you think that the the Rays place in the standings could have an effect on Matt Moore's final um, innings total? So, for example, if you know maybe they deal with injuries at the beginning of the season, um, and of course with their payroll, um, you know they're maybe a little bit more susceptible to injury, um, or at least not you know not necessarily being able to find a ready replacement. Uh, do you think that maybe if the Rays were, you know, say like 10 games out in uh, approaching the beginning of September, although, of course, that's not a very different scenario uh, than the one that just uh, unfolded this past year, but uh, do, you, do you see that maybe Matt Moore's innings total could be affected by that as opposed to uh, the Rays maybe uh, fighting tooth and nail for, for a playoff position down the stretch? I, I actually think that you can make arguments either way. Let's say they're they're fighting for the playoff spot. Then they need to they need to pitch him. I guess okay. You would you would say that if they're playing fighting for a playoff spot, they would pitch him all the time, uh, every time they could because he's a great pitcher. Um, but if they weren't fighting for a playoff spot, let's say they were out of it, 
Um, you could say, well, because they're going to save bullets and just keep his innings down by skipping him a couple times. Um, or you could say they're going to stretch him out and make sure that he can hit 200 innings plus, and then they make the playoffs the next year. They want, you know, maybe a couple more innings than 200. Um, there's just so many scenarios, you know. And the the real thing uh, that I think about is the sort of DL stuff, which just suggests that the older you are, the more likely you're going to hit the DL. Um, and uh, the, just the general fact that I want younger pitchers because they strike people out more, they have more velocity. So you know, if I'm going to make a mistake, I'm going to I'm going to have two or three young pitchers um, in my staff, and one of them, you know, will either struggle or or be sent down or whatever. I'd rather do that than have three or four old pitchers and have two of them at the DL. Uh, you know, I had I had a question, um, and this is sort of this is sort of a an under assorted questions um, with regard in, uh, to specific players. Uh, I was watching the Braves game on Wednesday, uh, the Braves and Nationals, and um, Andrelton Simmons started a shortstop for the Braves in that game, and um, despite what uh, what manager Freddie Gonzalez, you know, said maybe even a couple weeks ago or maybe a month ago. Um, you know about Taylor Pasternicki and that he would be giving Pasternicki the majority of the starts um, with the other Braves starters. Uh, Simmons has received some of that playing time unexpectedly, um, and I'm curious as to as to what from from today from this vantage point what you see unfolding, um, you know, in the in the shortstop competition for the for the Atlanta Braves because. Um, you know they they offer a little bit something different those those two guys and uh, of course a shortstop with any sort of offensive upside is valuable in fantasy. Yeah, it's kind of it's kind of weird. Um, they when you look at the numbers, you might you might make the mistake and think they're similar players because they don't have a ton of power. Um, neither one of them walks a ton, um, and they look to have maybe like thirty stone day speed um, at their peaks. But they don't really get there the same way. Um, Simmons is more physical, um, bigger. I, I'd say that in some ways, uh, Simmons has more defensive upside. He, he makes a lot of plays. And I think, you know, maybe his batting average is better right now. And I think that maybe he's kind of showing a couple of things that can be fooled gold. I'm not saying they are, they are and they aren't, but like, Maybe right now he's, he's playing better in terms of batting average, and he's made a couple spectacular plays, and so right now he looks um, to be ahead. But, uh, Pat, you know, he's never played double A. Um, and Pastor Nicky, you know, he needs to get a shot at some point um, because he's been, he's been playing for a while. Um, he's, what is he? I mean, he's only... Well, Pastor Nicky is actually like six months younger than Simmons, which... Uh, Something I learned during that broadcast, and uh, that was surprising to me because, yeah, Pastor Nicky's already played at Triple A. Right, he needs to play Double A twice. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's a real hard one to, to figure out. And Pastor Nicky's actually shown some okay walk rates at different times, but for the sum of his career, has um, has been sort of a similar in terms of contact, high contact, low strikeout, you know, not many walks kind of approach. Uh, but you know, I just think that. In the end, they're going to go with the guy that has spent more time in the high minors. Um, it's pretty pretty rare to go past Double A. Yeah. So even if even if they like Simmons, maybe it means that Pasternak has a, a shorter um, 
leash in it that if they did like Simmons, then uh, they're going to tell him they like him and ship him to Double A for a month. And if Pat Smith is still struggling, they can switch them. No, I, d- I do want to get to um, actually the Fangraphs draft, uh, the Fangraphs auto new draft momentarily. Um, but I'm curious, just uh, sort of in the spirit of assorted sorts of questions, I'm, I'm wondering if there are any other um, questions you've been receiving uh, with frequency of late. I know that you answer a lot of questions via email and um, and the you know the the generally uh, weekly pan fangraphs chats. I'm wondering if there's some things you're seeing over and over again. Uh, I think people want to know about um, kind of starters, deep deep starters and. You know, I get a lot of questions about, you know, A.J. Burnett. <laughs> when he'll be um, back, you mean, or uh, that sort of thing? Yeah, just like, will he be any good? Um, and, you know, it's, it's the time for um, position battles. Like, who will be, you know, the Braves' fifth and sixth starters? Uh, who will be the Diamondbacks' fifth and sixth starters? Um, so, you know, the, the, uh, the deep rotations with the exciting youngsters coming up, um, are, you know, there's a lot of attention being thrown in their direction. And we did, we saw, um, let's see, I saw Tyler Skaggs throw. Oh, oh, tell, uh, uh now, was that at a game or was that at a backfield? At a game. Oh, okay. And, uh, and, uh, I thought he did really well. Okay. He did really well. And, uh, you know, he had, he has, he's retaining the velocity, uh, which has been up a little bit since he was drafted. Um, and it's got a great curveball and it's off on the left side. So, you know, there, you know, people have some questions. I don't know. Everyone loves him, um, similarly, but I really like him. Trevor Bauer was, um, throwing, doing his legendary long toss the, um, the next day, uh, from foul line to foul line. Uh, so, you know, crazy, crazy 400 foot. Um, you know, long tosses that help him keep his velocity up. Um, and what was interesting is that in that same cast where we were in the same same time that we were watching Skaggs, people were talking about um, Bauer's training regimen and, 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 you know, will he change it to, to fall in line with the team? And it sounds like they wanted him to a little bit, but if he's throwing long tosses from foul line to foul line, he's still retaining a lot of uh, his personal sort of views on, on how to how to get ready for pitching. Uh, yeah, and now, with regard to those Diamondbacks, do you see do you see it Bauer-Skaggs in terms of the order in which they'd be called up? Yeah, yeah. Just, again, you know, who has had more experience in the upper levels, and um, it's not like Bauer hasn't been pitching all the string either. Um, but I actually, you know what, I think they could both end up in the minor leagues. Cole Minter made his last start and, and you know, said he felt fine. I don't think that Colmenter can repeat his season from last year, but, you know, they're going to give him a shot, I think. And Saunders, we all sort of know how mediocre his peripherals are. He could blow up at any time. So I think that they'd rather just see what, you know, go in with the veterans again. And, uh, with- it's, you know, it's, it, sometimes it feels sad as a prospect hound or, or a fantasy flyer. You're like, oh, why would you? throw this guy, Saunders, out there again, and when you've got Bauer in the minor leagues. But, you know, it just makes sense from a team standpoint to go the known commodity, um, you know, and, and, and just from a, and from keeping, you know, costs down, it makes sense to keep, you know, the, the high-priced guys down and make sure they're ready to go. 
Uh, so the flip side would be, well, they only have so many bullets and their velocity and strikeout rate's going to go down from, you know, due to age than get them in the major leagues quickly. So I think we might see, you know, we might see some differences. The, the Braves are obviously going with a young, young, young team. And they, they have, they're, they're looking at things a little differently than people, I think. Uh, lastly, you know, before before I let you go and uh, get your nerd on um, uh, more, uh, I want to appeal to your expertise, um, your fantasy expertise, uh, with regard to game theory. You know, with regard, this is a big game theory question. Are you prepared for that? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, it actually concerns uh, the the auction, um, and specifically, it concerns our auto auction of this past weekend. Uh, uh, a majority of um, of the members of uh, the, the first Fangraphs Auto New League were present in Arizona, and the, the remainder, uh, Sands Matt Closet actually, uh, were able to to um, to join us online uh, remotely. Um, and it seemed you seemed to have it seemed to be your your main strategy entering the auction. Um, concerned not any sort of uh, player valuations, didn't concern that, or or having the best information, uh, not not that either, um, or no sort of interest in in uh, bidding people up. I, maybe you utilize that tool, uh, but mostly it seemed as though your intention uh, was to get your uh, competitors um, tanked. Yeah. Yeah, because you bought. I think you bought something like two hundred dollars worth of beer. Is that is that a, is that right? Well, it was craft beer, so it wasn't like a keg or anything. Oh, I get but, it. Yeah, um, but it seemed like your intention. Your intention was <laughs> to get your competitors uh, drunk, and then as uh, as David Appleman, founder of of our site, uh, noted about halfway through, um, that plan backfired, didn't it? <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, it, well, one way that it definitely backfired was at one point we did have everyone talking and, and you know, general hubbub, you know, maybe drunken tomfoolery. Um, and, uh, and someone threw Brian McCann and, you know, I don't know what I was doing, something ridiculous. I don't, I didn't need a catcher. Uh, I have a deal at three bucks and I'm, I'm happy with that even if you regress to some. But uh, because, perhaps because of the beer and the tomfoolery, uh, Brian McCann went for eleven dollars. Yeah. So he you know, I'm not really upset at myself for that. I feel like, you know, I just wish that that sort of situation, which I had tried to foment, that I just wish that that situation had happened for me instead of for uh, Axisa got McCann for eleven. Uh, that was actually Paul Swiden. Yeah. Paul Swiden. Paul, yeah, damn that Paul Swiden. Now, if you were just to, um, if you were to estimate what percentage of our auction, for what percentage of our auction you were wearing pants? What would you put that at? The worst, everyone was like, oh, that went really badly for you. Okay, I have Adam Lynn for $4, and I'm very upset about it because it's a linear weights league, and that's not great. And in fact, I may just cut him um, because... He just doesn't walk, and his game does not translate to this league. But I do think that um, in some ways I, I did execute my plan, um, my non-drinking plan, um, by getting a middle infielder, Troy Tulowitzki, for 56 bucks. I know it's expensive, but I needed a middle infielder bad. 
and um, and then a bunch of uh, platoon outfielders because one of the things that's nice about Omnu is that you've got this deep bench, this 40-man roster, and since you have to fill in five outfielders, you know, to use your the platoon advantage um, can be really useful. So I've got uh, Lucas Duda for three bucks. He might not be great against lefties. Uh, I've got Nolan Reimold. Got sort of platoon issues. Matthew Joyce, sort of platoon issues, and Garrett Jones and Diane Vicieto. None of them cost, you know, more than six, six, seven bucks. So um, that's a really cheap outfield right there, and I'm hoping to get two slots out of them of a uh, regular play. Now you mentioned, and, you know, you mentioned sort of, uh, I don't know, mistakenly, but perhaps somewhat short-sightedly taking Adam Lind. In the linear weights league, I'm curious for you, a person who's in you know over 10 leagues, do you find it sometimes hard to, to mentally adjust when you go from a linear weights league to a, to a five by five league? I think that may have happened actually. It, it, you're laughing, but uh, no, I'm not laughing. I'm not laughing. It's it's probably my wife laughing at you. <laughs> she can't believe you took Adam Lind for four dollars. She's she's shocked. No, but no, but I. Yeah, Adam Lind, uh, I think that, you know, something registered in my brain, ah, you know, for a dollar to, um, 25 homers, whatever, but then you just really start to look at what his points add up to, and he's pretty terrible in this league. Mm-hmm. I think last year I had Austin Jackson for four dollars, so I have some problem with four dollar, you know, That's the, uh... four dollar, you know, brain farts. Right. Austin Jackson, I thought, oh, well, you know, I can slot him in, get a couple points. But it's really about points per PA or points per IP, right? It's all about efficiency. Right, so, it's about efficiency, yeah. You know, putting well, Austin Jackson um, in a linear weight league, not a good idea. Yeah, you know, um, I, I agreed with myself mentally that, that the podcast would be over once you said the word fart. And uh, you just did. You said brain fart, and that counts. Ah. Uh, so we'll have to end it. Uh, we'll have to end it now. Uh, those are the rules. Uh, but you know, uh, let me just say it was a it was a real joy uh, talking to you, um, not in person. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I can't fart. I don't want. Yes, I don't want to do that. I, uh, it's your, <laughs> your you have an excellent um, presence though on the on the podcast. Uh, really, uh, really something to celebrate. And you don't have to smell the fart. That's great. Yeah, you said you said it like three times now. All right. That uh, so it yes, but, but thank you. Over. Yeah, that thank you. You know, um, and I'll encourage you to uh, to to stay on briefly um, after I uh, stop recording for some adult conversation. Uh, just briefly. Uh, oh no, you're gonna give me a talking a, to? Adult conversation. Uh, but thank you for joining us. Okay. All right. That's Eno Saris, uh, editor of Rotographs, contributor also to uh, the main site and and Knockrafts. It should be said. Uh, I'm Carson Sestuli, and will continue to be. Uh, you know, until um, till I shuffle off this mortal coil, uh, and and finally, this has been in uh, Fangraphs Audio. Tear off the top of your